Okay, welcome back. Lesson three, guided notes, numerically summarizing data. This will be jam-packed with information, so let's dive in. Once again, we have to get through some terminology and notation before we do any calculations together. So let's begin with arithmetic mean. Most people say they have no trouble computing a mean. They remember that it's adding up all the values that you have in your data set and dividing by the number of observations that you have. A uh, little bit of linguistics here. A population mean means that you are computing using all of your individuals, people, animals, items. That, so you have a collection of everyone. But a sample mean means that you're only using a portion of the population in your calculation of the arithmetic mean. So always this distinction from now till the end of the course between population and sample. Am I dealing with a collection of all possible objects of interest or is it a subset of the population? Typically it's a subset. Little notation, because rarely in the real world do you have a collection of everyone um, of interest. But little notation, the Greek letter mu means we're looking at a population mean, so we're adding up all the observations and dividing by however many there are. Okay, and the Roman symbol x bar, you notice it's the same calculation, adding up however many there are and dividing by n. But the big di distinction, um, capital N from now till the end of the term will mean the number of items in the population and little n from now till the end of the term will be the number of items in your sample. Okay, let's go to the next slide. So here's a data set and we this is travel times to work for all, keyword all, seven employees of a startup company. Okay, so if it's all, then I can compute the population mean of this data set. Now, hopefully you're thinking we're just going to add up all those numbers and divide by however many there are. And you see that computation here. Now, in the next part, this word gets a little tricky. It says, now take a simple random sample of size n equals 3. So that means you're going to randomly select three people. Well, you can't just grab the first three people. you got to have a computer or something take away the bias for you. So we're actually going to get two different samples of size 3 and, com and compute sample means. Now, you see here I've taken a screenshot of my, of my calculator. But you can have your calculator, and I'll do this with you. Um, you can go to Math, slide over to Probability, slide down to Random Manager. I'll do this in real time just so you can see it. And you can say, you know, Random Manager 1, 7, because there's seven observations. And you know, you can just keep hitting enter until you get, so in this case, I will take person number seven, person number two, and person number four, because you know, the sevens are a repeat. So, um, and then I, if I wanted another random sample, I'm gonna hit second entry and do it again. Boom, boom, boom. Now I'm gonna take person number three, person number six, and person number one. So, but since I've already taken a screenshot here, so you arrange, these are people, remember, people and their commute time. So we've arranged them, you know, from one to seven. And if this was your output of your random integer selection, that means you're going to take person five, person two, and person six. Okay, person five, person two, and person six. And you see, 
and you compute the sample mean for those people. So those people have an average commute time of 22.3 minutes. In the next random sample, person 2, 3, and 6 get selected. Okay, person 2, 2, 3, and 6 get selected, and you see their sample mean is 28.3. But notice the big kicker is both of these sample means, one is an underestimate of the true population mean. Note to self, the population mean was 24.86. So this is an underestimate of the population mean. This is an overestimate of the population mean. Here's something to chew on. What if we took all possible random samples of a fixed sample size and listed all the different sample means? I wonder what the mean of the means would be. <laughs> That's coming down the pipeline. That's central limit theorem. The mean of all possible sample means of a fixed sample size will be right on the money here at 24.86. But now we see that the, pop, that the sample mean is not necessarily equal to the population mean, right? Okay. More calculations. Median of a variable. It's the value that lies in the middle of the data set when the data set is arranged in ascending order. We'll denote it big M for median. So we have the recipe here for finding the median. I'm going to let you read through that, and we will just dive right into this next example. So we have the same people, but now we have, uh, I should say, the same type of data. We're looking at their commute times, their travel times to work. All eight employees, now it's eight though, an even number. All eight employees for a startup company, okay, get the median. Well, boy, we'd have to rank that data from smallest to largest. So I'll hit pause as we do that. Okay, so you see now I've ranked them from um, smallest to largest. And you just kind of zoom in and say, okay, what's in the middle? Well, if you have an even set of data, you actually have two observations in the middle, right? So one, two, three, one, two, three. So you've got two observations in the middle and you have to figure out, gee, you know, what's halfway between 23 and 26. So you just average up, um, take the average. So what's 23 plus 26 divided by 2? And that'll be 24.5. So that will be our median with the observation, you know, 70 included there. Now what I want you to do is remove 70, remove 70, and then find the median just for practice. So a lot of people say, well, look, you know, if you take off I'm just going to rewrite the numbers. If you take off the 70, 5, 18, 23, another 23, 26, 36, 43. So if you take off the 70, let me circle this. So we've removed 70. You notice that it's a lot easier to spot the median. One, two, three, boom, one, two, three. So when you have an odd number of data, long story short, it's easier to spot the median. 23 would be the median. Okay, now here's another question I have. A numerical summary of data is said to be resistant if extreme values, very large or small values relative to the data, do not affect it substantially. So suppose someone had an extremely large commute time, like, you know, 120 minutes or something like that. What would it do to the mean and what would it do to the median? Well, 
I'll let you think about that, but the median is said to be, the median's the one that's said to be resistant to outliers. So um, note to self, mean would be, the mean would be more dramatically affected. Mean is affected by outliers. And median is resistant. So that's the big story there. Okay, because the mean takes into account all of the observations when you're adding them all up and dividing by however many there are. Now I have a little cheat sheet here for you. Um, just reminders, you know, mean, median, and mode, those are our measures of central tendency. Uh, mode is the most frequent observation. So what is, that's the only thing we haven't answered yet. What would be the mode for this data set? Well, if you look back at the original data set, whether you have 70 in there or not, <laughs> either way, the observation that occurs the most frequent is clearly 23. So the mode would be 23. Again, most frequently occurring observation, that's your mode. Okay, hope that helps. Now, a uh, little bit about shapes of distributions. In a moment, we're going to store a, data, a large data set into the calculator and talk about, you know, maybe the shape of the distribution. So a big thing I want to say is if, if the shape of your distribution is like this, uh, tail is to the left, skewed left. Here we see fairly normal data, symmetric. We'll speak of that as symmetric. Here, tail is to the right, skewed right. So just be on the lookout for those words in a moment here when I have you describe the shape of a distribution. Okay, so now let's revisit that data set about the travel times and this time um, hit pause here. Just noticed I had a small typo in my in my notes and I wanted to clear that up, but it's cleared up for your notes. Should be seven employees here in, the, in their travel times, the original seven employees. So now we're going to look at measures of dispersion, in particular range, variance, and population standard deviation. We want to be able to do it by hand and ideally on Excel or calculator. So here's our seven employees. First thing I want to calculate is the range of the data set. And you might be thinking, well, that's just your, your largest value minus your smallest value. So clearly the largest value is 43, and the smallest value is 5, and voila, that's your range. So hopefully you're thinking that, that, that range is a pretty easy uh, calculation, and that's true. Now let's take a look at the next example, or the next slide. We have the same data set, and we're told to compute the population standard deviation. Now I did want to mention population standard deviation. We're going to denote that with the Greek letter sigma, and obviously I have the formula written out here in all its glory, but you're probably hoping, <laughs> you're probably hoping we don't have to always do this by hand, right? So I am going to translate this formula for you here a little bit. Each observation minus the mean, square it, sum it up, and eventually divide by however many observations there are. Well, I have all that written out for you, so my goal is to get you to the technology. This is a computational formula as well that'll work. Um, but I'm going to show you here. The mean of the data set is about, 
you know, 24.86 rounded, right? So if you take 23 minus 24, you get this. 36 minus 24.8, you get this, etc. So each observation minus the mean, you see that here in this column. Each observation minus the mean. And then what happens? You take these values, so you take the negative 1.857 and you square it to get this, right? So we have the squares of all those deviations. So you have the deviations from the mean and then the squares of all those deviations. And then clearly you're adding all of these up. See, summation, so you're adding all of those squares to get a very large number, um, 902.8571. And then the formula says to divide by however many observations there are, which is seven, and then eventually square root. Whew, well that's a lot of sweat equity. Hopefully you're thinking, man, I hope we don't always have to do that by hand. Okay, now the fun part. Let's enter the, here's the original data, okay? Let's enter these in the calculator. I'll get you cooking here. <laughs> so stat, hit enter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear out anything that's in there from my before. Now I'm gonna start entering the data, but then I'll hit pause. So 23, enter, you know, 36, enter. Okay, now I'll hit pause as you do the rest. Okay, so now the fun part. We put the data in, and it's as simple as this. Easy peasy, right? So stat, slide over to calculate. It says one variable statistics. We just hit enter, and we just, by default, it knows our, our data is in L1. We just hit enter. And it produces the mean as we knew it was 24, you know, 0.86. And look at that, see sigma, retrieve sigma. 11, I'll scoot this over. If you look at sigma, it says 11.357. Well, that's exactly what we got right here. So we're confirming. All right, so again, you wanna be stealing sigma, here's sigma, you want to be sort of stealing sigma from your calculator. There's no reason to always do that um, by hand. I might ask you that just once on a test. That's about it. Okay, so now, like I said, there's got to be an easy way. So we checked it out on TI-83. We'll check it on Excel on, on other videos for time's sake. All right. Now, note a, a similar formula exists for calculating sample standard deviation. Now, we were considering that to be a population, so we divided by big N, if you were considering it to be a sample, you know, you it's a very similar formula. You're just dividing by N minus one, where little n is the sample size. Um, so that's why you have to disseminate from the get-go. Are you dealing with a sample or are you dealing with a population? So we call, a lot of people say, you know, why N minus one? We call N minus one the degrees of freedom. And because the first n minus one observations have freedom to be whatever value they wish, but the nth value has no freedom. It would have to be, you could actually solve for it, what it would have to be um, in order to be an unbiased estimator of the, of the population mean. So it must be whatever forces, whatever value forces the sum of the deviations about the mean to equal zero about the population mean to equal zero. So, okay. Also, I wanted to mention the variance of a variable is the square of the standard deviation. So if you have the standard deviation, 
again, if you have the standard deviation, that's sigma, then variance is simply just sigma squared. And so, like I said, population variance is sigma squared, so sample variance will denote s squared. All right, well here I have another data set. Oh, same data set. Uh, the employees, and again, sorry about that, it, it should be seven employees. Let me fix this word here. This should say seven. Sorry about that. So seven employees. And uh, remember that sigma is 11.36 and sigma squared is 129.05. So a lot of people say, oh, okay, so if I'm asked for variance, I can just grab 11.36 from the calculator, the standard deviation, and square it. And so, uh, yes, <laughs> it's that simple. So just constantly just reiterating that relationship between standard deviation and variance. Okay, big star on that. All right. And, oh, and I guess that's as far as we needed to get um, for today. But I do want to actually go back to the calculator here a moment. So just be aware that, again, I'll run that one more time. When you have your data in and you go to calculate one variable statistics and you hit enter, just be aware that, you know, it's going to give you, it tells you X bar. It'll even tell you the quartiles. We're going to talk about that more on future videos. But it'll tell you X bar 24.86. Sample mean and population mean, the calculation is not affected. Um, but notice sample standard div is S here, and sigma is 11.36. Okay, so th just be aware that we're going to use that uh, stat calculate one var stat option a lot in this course. So just get comfortable with doing that. Okay, good luck out there. Sorry about that. I, uh, one last thought popped into my head real quick here. Uh, mention of the mean versus the median. Remember our mean was 24.86, right? And our median, the median of this data set with the seven observations was 23. So big note to self. Notice the mean is greater than the median. And therefore we have slight right skew. Um, and is also greater than the mode for that matter. So the mean's greater than the median and is also greater than the mode because the mode was 23. But also something cool that we haven't done in a while. Notice what I did was I went to second stat plot and made a histogram. Sorry, second stat plot. Remember that you can highlight the one that looks like the histogram by hitting enter. And remember that zoom and all the way down to zoom stat will give you your histogram. And this is where we were mentioning, so let's couple that drawing. A lot of people say, ooh, can I just, you know, make that drawing on a test? Absolutely. So we see something that looks like this. So our feeling is right skew, right? Tail is to the right, but we're confirming it with that. Okay, hope that helps. Didn't want this video to be too long, so happy practicing out there.